just staying in tune with the spirit, a lot of study and, and feedback. You know, when people are in the comment, if you post something, somebody will say, well, hey, will you pray for me for this? This is what I'm going through. And so we would write that down initially and say, hey, let's say a prayer for this individual situation. How many other people will this cover? Welcome back to the Social Media Church Podcast. I am your co-host, one of your co-hosts, Aaron Magnuson, uh, not joined today by my other co-host, Neil Smith, but I am joined today by, uh, this is this is a special one for me, uh, and I know it's going to be special for you guys. If You probably saw in the title already, so, so some of you have cheated and you already know who this is, uh, but this is somebody, and, and you guys aren't going to believe this because I could hardly believe it. This is somebody uh, that I've been connected to. I was kind of doing the math like for almost a decade. And we both come from a very tiny place in Oregon called Albany. And uh, I could not believe when I was in Southern California, recognizing the work that God has done in this individual's life and what the call on this individual's life was. But I don't think that there's a more perfect guest in 2022 to have on this podcast then our guest, Andrew Carter, who I get the pleasure of calling a friend. I have lost in basketball games to this guy. Uh, I have certainly lost in the gym, in fitness. Uh, Andrew Carter, who you may be familiar with. I know for me on my Instagram feed, it's one post out of every five that I get from Andrew. And he's so kind to pray for everybody that comes across his content. And I cannot wait to introduce you to Andrew. I can't wait for you to hear a little bit of his story. And most importantly, and probably what you're, I don't want to say most importantly, most importantly is the story. Secondarily important is all of the things that he has learned over his years. Uh, and I, it's a couple of years, like not even, not even that long of being on social media and how to utilize content that actually makes a difference in the world and is going to accomplish the great commission. Andrew Carter, we are honored to have you on the podcast, my brother. Thank you, Aaron. I absolutely appreciate it. And I'm glad that we get to connect. Again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been a long, it's been a long time. It's been a long time for uh, a few reasons. When I found out that you were in LA, sent you a text. Well, I got to tell the story. Well, Hold on a second. Uh, no, no, no. I'm going to let you tell your story first. And then I'm going to tell you the ex after they've got to hear the story, then they're going to get to hear the experience that I had of being in utter disbelief, seeing you on Instagram and then seeing how many followers you have. Because most people just know Pastor Andrew Carter of Royal City Church there in L.A., present day 2022. I know, uh, you know, people were really excited at my work that I was going to be interviewing you on the podcast. And so everybody, I feel like, uh, knows Andrew Carter, but not what, well, and you talk about it, but not very many people have got to have the firsthand experience, uh, of knowing you before God really put this call in your life. But Andrew, would you just introduce yourself, uh, maybe present day, and then maybe share a little bit of your story for the two people that are going to be listening to this that have never heard of you? <laughs> Uh, absolutely. So Pastor Andrew F. Carter, uh, lead pastor of Royal City Church here in Inglewood, California, a uh, brand new church plant we planted uh, about 11 months ago. So October will be one year. And, wow. Uh, absolutely That's a big excited deal. about that. And, and of all places, Los Angeles. Yep. But uh, I consider myself to be a digital missionary and uh, a kingdom content strategist and creator. That's yes. like the fancy title yep. of it. Basically, I make TikToks for Jesus. Looks great uh, on a business card. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So uh, uh, I do a little bit of that. Husband, father, yep. avid basketball player. Love to, to be in the gym. Yep. Uh, but but man, just passionate about the gospel and, and sharing my testimony and spreading the love and transformational power of Jesus. Like that's Amen. what I love to do. And so how I got here... Um, yep. Is, is, is somewhat of a story, and I'll be very brief. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. There's yes. lots of testimonies posted out there. You guys probably heard, heard, heard it uh, at some point. Mm -hmm. But um, over the years, I grew up in foster care. Both of my parents were drug addicts. Um, I was in, in and out of a lot of trouble growing up and really never heard the name of Jesus, never went to church uh, unless I was forced by one of my grandparents, which I could <laughs> probably count 
on one hand. I even remember being baptized at like eight, completely against my will. Didn't wow. go to church. Thought the guy was trying to drown me. I didn't understand. Wow. But um, that was like my understanding of church. Uh, even the name of Jesus was about as real to me as you know Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny. He was just a wow. little baby in the manger that mm -hmm. there was the wise men around during the holiday play at school. So I didn't know Christ. Um, so for years, I, I drank, I smoked drugs, I sold drugs, I had sex, I was doing all of these things by the age of 12, really just mimicking the people in my life, my parents and the adults. And it wasn't until 17 that I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Uh, I had a gospel presentation about an hour long, salvation, sanctification, eternal separation from God, like this issue of sin. And it, it hit, it really stuck. And um, in that moment, I decided to receive Jesus. But the unfortunate fact is I didn't leave there and go get in church. I didn't get into discipleship. I didn't mm. uh, grab a Bible and start reading. I, I didn't have anybody. I uh, went back home to the same environment. And so I had this understanding in my spirit, but didn't know how to apply it. And so over the next several years, it was me wrestling with trying to figure out what it was. Uh, the key thing that happened to me that evening is that now there was this evidence of what I was doing was wrong. Beforehand, there was no consciousness. There was no under, I was just living life as I knew it. Yeah. But after receiving Christ, now the weed didn't feel right. The drink didn't feel the same. Doing all of the things, there was consequence. And so yeah. um, I ran from that feeling by doing more of it until I found myself in a church. And the church that I found myself uh, in was a very militant style church. It was called the Potter's House in Corvallis. Uh, you know, oh, you're wow. familiar with Corvallis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, is, um, this was a Pentecostal on fire church. And the goal of this church was to uh, basically establish leaders, disciple them and send them out as pastors. And so I went from this guy on the streets, no formal training to three years, two and a half, three years of intense discipleship uh, wow. and leadership building with the intention of me being a pastor. And I never really signed up for it. I was just going because this was my first experience of church. So yeah. I thought this was, this is the norm, right? This is what you're supposed to do. <laughs> and, uh, you know, unbeknownst to me, that's not everybody's calling, but right. um, I was there for two and a half years and there was a prophetic word spoken over my life at the end of this seven day revival. Wow. And uh, this evangelist came up and said, uh, Andrew, you have words of gold. You're called to ministry and you're going to speak to millions of people about Jesus. And at the age of 23, um, this terrified me. It wasn't something that I had planned, wanted, or uh, knew where to start. And so I packed my family up and I left church. I said, this is, you've got the wrong Andrew, right? You must be talking about Her the other wrong. guy. So yeah. um, uprooted my family. And from there, I went back to school. I got two college degrees, public health and health promotion and education. Uh, I played college basketball. I started a gym there in Albany, Oregon, and uh, it was a successful gym. And, you know, we were making six figures a year. I was on the Chamber of Commerce in Albany, yeah. uh, our little city, uh, the grass seed capital of the world. Yeah, and yeah, it is. But that's a, but that's a big deal, though, too, because they're there. And, and if you're not watching on YouTube and you haven't seen a video of Andrew, uh, there aren't a lot of people that look like you in <laughs> Albany. Uh, and so to, 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 in, 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 and that's just a reality. That's not a statement of, uh, judgment towards Albany, but for you to be in such a prominent position where you're impacting the community, how you were, uh, was a real testament to how God was using you even then. And, and you're obviously going to continue with your story. And if there's any CrossFitters out there, it was a CrossFit gym and it yeah. was popping. It was popping. It was one of the biggest in the Willamette Valley, super successful. And, and you're absolutely right. Uh, for a person of color to be in that position. Any rare. color, by the way, any color, any color. Yeah. Very rare and uh, not a bad place. Love the city. Go back every month. But um, as, as I was there, the thing that people really couldn't see it from the outside looking in, uh, it looked like a kid had overcome some obstacles. He pulled himself up from the bootstraps. He got his life together, wasn't in and out of trouble anymore and was succeeding. But what people didn't see or know is that uh, I was still really hurt. I was still broken. I had walked away from church. I had never healed from my childhood trauma. I had never worked on the defense mechanisms that I had created in my youth uh, to protect myself. And so here you see this hurt man who is masking the pain 
with success, achievements, accolades, and really trying to paint this picture of what the world deems as successful. Yep. And so I did a real good job of wearing this mask, but behind the scenes, I was broken and absent of Christ. And so, as you know, you can only stuff and hide and mm -hmm. paint over, gloss things over and make them look pretty for so long. It was only a matter of time before uh, basically I exploded, my life imploded, and I got myself in trouble and uh, was sentenced to 18 months in prison. And at this moment, I lost everything. I lost my gym, my reputation, my business, my family, uh, my kids, and was kind of left to... I don't want to say I, I left to kind of rebuild my life and figure things back out. And so I spent 18 months in prison. Uh, and in that 18 months, I had no desire to go back to God where a lot of men or women will find crisis faith is what I like to call it. When they're in yeah. a bind, they run to God. But for me, I was angry. I was so frustrated. I felt like I was cheated. I had worked so hard. I had played the game. I did what the world tells you will, will, will bring you success. And, uh, I failed. I lost. I still wound up in the very place that I was trying to avoid. Mm -hmm. And um, here I was. And so my back was to God. I, I, you know, wrote him off. And so after 18 months, I came home and kind of spent the first year trying to figure out who I was, what I was doing, where I was going, and, and trying to pick up the pieces of the destruction I had left in my wake. Uh, and, and so I found myself going back to the Grove. I, I was going to church uh, occasionally. I started dusting off my Bible because I was succeeding again financially, but there was something missing. Yeah. And so um, many people kept saying they were praying for me and pushing me towards Jesus. And I could look back and see all of the God winks and how, you know, people were, were encouraging me in my faith. And uh, it wasn't until one night, it was mm. at the end of December, 2019, where I was messing around on TikTok. I had downloaded it because that's what Gary Vee said to have. You're supposed to have it. Uh, We're big fans it. of Gary Vee on the podcast. And, and Andrew, I forgot to tell you this. We actually, we interviewed, well, we, Nils uh, interviewed Gary Vee uh, on the Social Media Church podcast. Uh, and if Is you haven't right? checked that episode out, we, we repost it every now and again. Yeah, uh, to be fully transparent, I think Nils won uh, a, a slot with Gary and he was smart enough to leverage that as a podcast interview. But yeah, yeah like we're huge fans of Gary Vee and I think Gary Vee teaches us all. So, so not surprising at all that somebody yeah. who's crushing it on social media uh, was following Gary Vee. So, so he yeah. told you to download TikTok. Man, he said, if you're not on TikTok, you're missing an opportunity. And it was loud and clear because he was yelling at me on all channels everywhere <laughs> I was because I was trying to build an online training program and I was doing decent, but he was saying, take advantage of TikTok. And so to no avail, I had posted TikToks for the last several months uh, and they were all fitness oriented. I was told to keep your business and religion separate. And mm -hmm. I was just dabbling with my relationship with Christ, but I was kind of at the end of it. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to share this little piece. I, my, my heart's heavy. I'm struggling. I'm in a bad place. And so I make this little video. I'm sitting in front of my desk and it's a 15 second video. And I point at a couple of boxes and the boxes say, uh, things God's carried me through or something to that tone. And I pointed at the boxes that said prison, you know, foster care, divorce, and then all the other storms of life, something to that effect. I didn't say a word and it was like a nice, slow Lauren Daigle, Daigle uh, yeah. you know, yeah. emotional song. Anyway, I went to bed that night and after I posted it with about 200 followers, the next morning I woke up and there were over 15,000 followers. Crazy. And I was just like, what is going on? The first time I talk about God, here's this, you know, there's confirmation or there's, you know, this feedback of like, Hey, we want to know more. And so I start reading through the comments and I start reading through the messages. And I read one message that forever changed the trajectory of my life. And it was, uh, Hey, Andrew, just reaching out. Wanted you to know, I saw your video last night. Um, I've been through the same things, prison, foster care, and divorce. And last night I had the intention of taking my life, but because I saw your video and you were pointing and smiling and, and you know, you, you're still carrying on, I decided mm -hmm. not to, something to that effect. And uh, in that moment, I just broke. I started weeping, started crying. I felt the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. And the, that prophetic word that was spoken over my life came to mind immediately that you were called to ministry. You have words of gold and that you wow. speak to millions of people about Jesus. And from that moment forward, uh, 
I, every step and every decision and choice that I've made has been to lead me in the direction of where I'm at, really standing on the promise of God and a prophetic word that was spoken over my life almost 15 years prior. Wow. That's uh, an incredible story. On behalf of everybody who heard it, thank you for sharing that in depth. And I'm sure that people have heard it in bits and pieces because uh, you are great about sharing that uh, on social media. And really uh, something that, that you've said, well, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set it up so that our audience can hear from you, not me. Um, but uh, share, share with our audience uh, kind of your perspective on the power of your testimony and the pass and permission that that gives you uh, that we all have. We don't have to have be speaking to a millions. We don't even have to have that prophetic word over our lives, but the, the, the pass and the access that your testimony gives you. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I believe that all of our experiences and the things that God carries us through gives us exclusive access to a specific audience. And so being that I have tangible experience of being in the foster care system makes me more accessible and relatable to those who too have experienced uh, being in the system. And that goes for the same for divorce, uh, individuals in prison, individuals who struggled with addiction. It's one thing to preach from a place of opinion or being able to read from a book, but it's another to be able to preach from tangible experience. And so when I can sit with somebody and say, I've literally sat in your shoes, I haven't just read about it, heard about it, seen a video or a documentary. I've literally been there. Uh, now, let me tell you about Jesus. I feel like people are far more receptive, and I believe it's one of the greatest tools that God gives us. It's our testimony. Absolutely. And you discovered that immediately uh, on TikTok uh, yeah. that night when uh, just you, you felt like it was a one-off uh, and transparently, uh, you know, you, you were, showed a little transparency in just the, the relational aspect. And I think all of us that are in ministry, um, and all of us that are pastors are hoping for those opportunities to make, allow our words and our communication to, to make an impact in somebody's life to uh, maybe not always as extreme as literally saving their physical life in that moment, but certainly offering them uh, another way to live. And I think that's probably the sub point that he experienced like, man, he has all these experiences, yet there's another way to live carrying that. And there's somebody that's willing to take that uh, and did take that. And his name is Jesus. And you have not been shy from that moment forward. Well, actually, I'm not going to assume that. So at what point did you realize this is the content that I need to be creating? And then where did that take you? Yeah, it, it was within months. I would say it was about another five months that I made that transition. Wow. That seems yeah. long. What? Let's walk through those five months because we might be speaking to a leader right now that's in this situation where it's like, okay, I had success on one video. I can't reproduce it. I'm going to throw it all in because it's just, you know, TikTok's controlling the algorithm or Instagram's controlling the algorithm. It's just, it's all whack. I don't know what to do. What What, what was that five months of kind of, because I, I think the misconception can be, oh, I went viral, 15K, I made it deuces like I, I I you know I'm just gonna run this play over and over and over again so I think that's a really valuable lesson here that I don't know what how you're gonna answer this but a really valuable lesson in the, in that five month window when you're trying to figure out okay God how do you actually want to use these 15,000 followers yeah yeah I mean for me it was really uh, I had to pay the bills still and so I, I was an online trainer I, I the video went viral but the next day I had to go to work and right. so uh, for me, I still continued to create the content that I wanted and then started to sprinkle in the content that people needed. And so for me, there was still this authentic piece of like, here's who I am. I'm not going to change that. This is what it is. And then started to feed that. And I mean, the algorithm speaks for itself, especially on TikTok. Yes. Uh, they had kind of niched me earlier. And so the videos that would perform better were obviously the ones that were uh, about God. And um, so it took me a five month transition period of saying, okay, uh, there's no more fruit in this aspect. Uh, I'm going to utilize it. And, and I'm hardheaded again. I, even though that happened, it wasn't like overnight. And I was just like, yes, I'm going to be a pastor. I was right. like, how can I leverage this? How can I make the most of this? How can I not miss this opportunity, but still steward it well and honor God? And it was trial and error and kind of playing around with different formulas to until I figured out what it was. And after five months, I realized that the fitness stuff, it just had to go. Like it was, it was evident that God was not only that, but 
in the six month, I packed all my stuff, sold everything and moved to a different state. So it was wow. like, it was intense. Yeah. Couple, couple, couple questions there. The first one that I want to rewind a little bit back to, and this will be a little bit of a, a commercial break from, from Andrew Carter's uh, story here, but um, you use the term niched. And as you're the TikTok pro, uh, as most of us are still learning the realm of TikTok, uh, what is niched? Niche is basically like your category. The algorithm will put you in a category and kind of, uh, I hate to say it, but they put you in a box based on the type of video that you did that performed well. And so you can be niched as fitness content, Christian content, mental health, but it's, it's almost like its own channel. So you're, you're basically categorized based on the content of your video. Yes. And TikTok, for those of you that don't know, TikTok does that more aggressively than anything I've ever seen before. And I think it creates a lot of success for people who experiment for a long time and find their niche. Uh, but it can also be frustrating because, it, and we're talking about even the top creators, if they exit their niche, TikTok does them no favors uh, with that content. And so I think our practical encouragement to you, if you are exploring TikTok, post a lot of stuff, figure out what stuff rides and then kind of understand what your niche is. Is, is that the, is that the uh, recommendation that, that you would give uh, Andrew? I should be asking the, the, the pro here. How, how should Absolutely. someone find their niche? Yeah, it, it's just that. So for me on TikTok, I'm niched into night prayers. So I make sure hmm. that I'm doing a prayer every other night or every other video, every three videos is what they like. So I feed the algorithm but then I also experiment. I play around with other videos that are true to me. Some are silly and uh, sometimes they do well and sometimes they don't. And if they do well, then I'll duplicate it and try it again. And if they don't, then, you know, but, but the, the way that I do it is I hold true to my niche. I make sure that they're getting what they want to keep me relevant. But then I use the space in between to still be myself. And so you're, that makes perfect sense. Uh, and it makes sense that you would continue to experiment. So you, you, you're not just, uh, sticking in that lane. You're still experimenting. You're giving it enough so that you stay in that lane and the TikTok doesn't remove you out of there completely, uh, being a confused channel. There's a, there's some beauty to, uh, the, the algorithm that TikTok has created. You know what to expect, when to expect it, uh, from the people that you follow, which is great and fantastic. Um, but it can be frustrating to a creative, right? By nature, we want to explore and look around and explore uh, different things. But um, okay, move, fast forward. Thank you for uh, double tapping on that for a second and, and, and opening our eyes as we continue to explore and learn on TikTok uh, more. So what brought you to Los Angeles? How, how did you decide uh, Los Angeles is where I need, to, I need to sell all my stuff and I need to move to LA? The first reason, first and foremost, my wife. There was a, a, a woman who I wanted to be with and marry that lived here and I didn't. So I needed to be in close proximity to her so that I could pursue her appropriately. Very uh, nice. Okay. That is, that's a great yeah, answer. That's, you that's, could end that, there. That's the truth. That's the short of it. But uh, the year before in 2019, I went to Hawaii twice. And as I was developing this online training program, I remember as I was sitting on the beach working from my phone, I was just like, man, I, I, this is what I want. And so as I was flying home, I was just praying about it and having a conversation. Uh, and, and something in my spirit said, you're going to move to California in next year in 2020 wow. and you're going to move to California. And so I remember going back, uh, the year before to the gym that I was, uh, contracting with and I let them know. And I said, Hey, I'm putting in my notice and they go, when I go next year and they go, what are you talking about? And I was like, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, you still got me. Yep. You're good. Okay. Something just popped up. Uh, I'm going to California. I'm moving to California next year. And they thought I was insane. They thought I was absolutely crazy. And I was like, no, God told me I'm moving to Southern California specifically. And so it was just confirmed multiple things that kept popping up and even, wow. Um, the way that I lost my housing in 2020, which forced the move, because if it wasn't for that, I would have stayed. Um, and this is this is wild, Aaron. I'll, let me share this with you because yep. this is Got this to. even adds to it. So the the homeowner that I was leasing from, I had been in this place for four years before prison. I even came home and I was in the same place. Um, they were Christians. They were Chinese missionaries. They were missionaries wow. who lived in China. And so I would pay rent, and I would you know they, they were great. They loved it. When COVID happened, they were being pushed out of China for the first time and they needed a place to go and they had to come home. 
And I lived there. And so they flew back and they, they were like, we are so sorry, um, but we have to, we don't have anywhere else to go, but we need to move back into your home. And I was like, that's fine. They gave me 90 days. They gave me until July 1st. Wow. And um, with my background and my past, I was in Albany trying to find a place to live and I couldn't find anything. Nope. I couldn't pass a background check. I didn't have enough money saved up because I had just, I'd gotten out of prison a couple of years before. So I didn't have any work history that was consistent. It was almost impossible for me to stay there. And so I met this girl online um, and she was just like, I have a, I have somebody you can stay with a friend down here. And so wow. the way that it worked, this is in the middle of the pandemic. I packed my stuff up July 1st and drove down and stayed with somebody to be in closer proximity. But I would, you know, it was just like happenstance how it all worked out. Wow. That's incredible. Uh, I, I love hearing that. And it's really cool how God uh, works and, and moves a bunch of pieces around. Uh, and now you've planted a church in LA, uh, almost a year old, which is just absolutely incredible. I'm curious. So now as we just dive into content and, and kind of get practical, yeah. um, was the pursuit of, because probably what 99% of the people listening are familiar with you for is Andrew or, and, or Andrew and his wife pop up on the screen and they say a quick prayer or there's some little musical compilation. I, I, I can still picture the, the wiping the rice, right? Like, and, and all the words, all the words are coming to, to fruition. Everybody here has a mental image because they've all seen it. Uh, was that because of the successful TikTok video that you went into saying prayers that way? And you're like, okay, we're just going to keep doing this. This seems to be working. Was it because you were getting messages and positive feedback? Like people were so responsive. So like, ah, eh, the algorithm, like, yeah, that's great that that's working, but that's kind of icing on the top. Really, I'm seeing ministry effect here. Or was it just something that you felt like, all right, God, let's see what you do. I feel like what I need to be doing is praying. Like, how did you decide to land on 15 second prayers? It, it was all of the above, honestly, all wow. of the above, uh, just staying in tune with the spirit, a lot of study and, and feedback. You know, when people are in the comment, if you post something, somebody will say, well, Hey, will you pray for me for this? This is what I'm going through. And so we would write that down initially and say, Hey, let's say a prayer for this individual situation. How many other people will this cover? And so that would be it. But then the 15 second prayer, it's like, most people's attention span, especially on social media, isn't going to last much longer than that. So can we say an effective prayer that will grab somebody's attention and try to take their focus off of what they're going through and put it on God? And, and I've got to say this, our intention and my intention for the prayer is never to be a supplement or a substitute. The goal of all the content that we create is to flood social media with reminders to get back to the most important thing. And that's a relationship with Jesus. So yep. the, the, the post is never to substitute the church, the body, community, prayer, Bible reading, all that it's like my intention from the content that we create. And many times I'll put this in the captions. Is this is not a substitute. It's a reminder to get back to basics. That's so good because that is a fear that a lot of leaders have is that, oh man, they're going to have this and then they're going to be used. They're going to think their entire Christian life is based around 15 second prayers. Uh, and I personally don't ascribe to that. Obviously we have some bias being on the social media church podcast, but what I do think is it is that reminder. Oh yeah. I meant to, I meant to get up at four 30 today. I meant to get up at 6am today. I meant to do that. Uh, this is, it's, it's breadcrumbing. Uh, yeah. while also being effective. It's not like a 15 second prayer means less to God than a three hour prayer, right? Uh, and so just those, the, the breadcrumbing moments, uh, those touch points, uh, and then this idea of flooding social media, which from talking with you, I know you got from Gary Vee. Uh, and if you've seen anything from Gary Vee, you have this understanding. But do you want to walk us through what your strategy is? And I, and I know uh, I'll, I'll, I'll spare you from having to say it. Your strategy is run by the Spirit's promptings. Totally understand that. Totally here for that. Practically, what does that look like when, when you've been charged and called by God to go out and be a digital missionary? How are you accomplishing that on, on social media? Yeah. So the practical aspect is that I get up and uh, I, I spend no more than an hour posting on all of my platforms. Wow. And, uh, and that's one hour a day. So I'm able to post on Pinterest, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, LinkedIn and uh, any other ones that I've, I've left out, uh, all of them within an hour. Within an hour. 
within an hour, no problem. You started uh, with Pinterest. I did. I That's, did. I, I, I'm finding that people organic reach on Pinterest is crazy. But so yeah. so so maybe and, and obviously TikTok is is still uh, good, whereas you see a lot of Meta's products and and stuff not doing as well uh, in terms of organic reach. Um, and other things, I guess, but, but we're not going to spend too much time on that. Um, Pinterest, give some people practical ideas for Pinterest. And, and for background for our listening audience, anytime I talk to a content creator or a creative that is creating content on somebody else's behalf, the hidden gem, the best of the best are utilizing Pinterest. And I know that's a forgotten throw away my 40 year old mom that's trying to figure out how to make me a cool present instead of buying one is on Pinterest. That's just not true. Or maybe it is true, but there's clearly effective ministry left to be done on Pinterest. Can we just spend like 30 seconds or a minute or two minutes on what are you doing on Pinterest? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people who don't have access to social media and do have access to Pinterest. So a lot of the times I'll get kids, I've been recognized by kids, younger kids, millennials, or, or excuse me, Gen Z. Yeah. And they'll go, hey, you're that guy who does prayers on Pinterest. And I'm like, I am. And they go, well, I'm not allowed to have TikTok. I'm not allowed to have Instagram, but my mom and dad allow me to have Pinterest. And I have so, literally never heard this answer. I have never, never heard this. So it makes perfect sense. People, yeah, there's people on there who are consuming it because they have a Reels feature just like TikTok and Instagram where you can upload the same Reels that you're putting there. And a lot of the time it's like how to pray, three important things to pray for. It's, you know, read this Bible. This is a great verse for anxiety. So Pinterest is used for people to search. It's like a search engine, how to do this, how to do that. Well, why not apply that to our walk with God? How do wow. I do these in these short form videos? And, uh, you know, there's, I have over 50,000 followers on Pinterest. People will come in, they'll engage with the content, they'll pin it, they'll save it, they'll share it. And then I'll even have people come and visit our church who initially saw us on Pinterest rather than other wow. places. Wow. You're okay. You're, I want to go there because I want to ask how has doing this on social media uh, affected planting a church and kind of starting from scratch, but I don't want to go there yet. I, I do want to ask, uh, because the, the, one of the friends who I was chatting with about this, he's been on the podcast before Sam, Sam only has 59, like five, nine, two digit number followers on Pinterest, but his reach is exponential. So you said you had about 50,000 followers. I'm curious, how does your reach th that ratio between follower and reach compare on Pinterest to like follower and reach, uh, on some of those other platforms? Uh, I think it's comparable, if not greater than, uh, I think right now, if I could think right, my analytics, I'm reaching almost 3 million people. Think about that. With 53,000 followers. Think about that. With over a quarter million followers on Instagram, I think my reach is probably about 4 million throughout the month or so. Um, that's Maybe. that's unbelievable. I mean, that ratio is is absolutely incredible. You're you're reaching a comparable, yeah, in, in three months, you're reaching comparable uh, amounts of people with not even close to the same amount of followers. So really interesting to know, really interesting to think about the consumption patterns that it's not just moms that are trying to do DIY projects or find an inspirational quote, but it's actually the kids that can't have the real. I'm putting that in air quotes if you're not watching on YouTube, real uh, social media yet who are wanting to engage in a very similar way. Um, wow. I'm really glad we doubled down on the Pinterest because I've never heard it expounded upon outside of, I know that some of the most strategic content creators are utilizing Pinterest. Uh, one more thing before we go into the church and how you're following and just the awareness that uh, has happened on social media has affected positively uh, a church plant for pastors like yourself. Uh, I'm curious about how, um, so you were talking about, uh, you, leveraging Pinterest and, and that sounded like a different piece of content from the, cause I'm not on Pinterest, uh, newsflash. Um, it sounded like a different piece of content than what I would experience on Instagram. So are, are you actually catering each of your pieces of content to their native platforms are using the same content, maybe using a different caption, or are you can, are you creating completely different pieces of content for each, uh, platform? Oh no, I work 
far less than that. I repurpose <laughs> the same. Tell us, this is important for pastors yeah, like yourself yeah. to hear. So, so no, I work smarter, not harder. Um, what I will do though, is I will stagger the days in which I post it. So what I posted on TikTok today, I will run it through an app to remove the watermark. And I might post that as a reel the next day. And then I might post that on Pinterest the following day. So although they're getting new content, uh, it's repurposed and typically it's all starting with my TikTok. So wow. TikTok for me will be my main generator where I'm creating the content, filming it in, in app. I'm taking care of all of those things. After I post it, I'm pulling it and yep. then repurposing it for the other platforms. Wow. And really it, it depends on the, I use TikTok almost as a, uh, a testing ground. So if it does well on TikTok, it'll probably do well on the other ones. If not, then I probably don't share it. But um, I also know that my audience is far younger on TikTok, so I can get away with being more silly on some of those sure. videos. And I, I, many of those videos won't find their way to the other platforms. And so um, based on the success of the video kind of tells me whether or not it will graduate to the other platforms. And then just to stick with the practicality, all of that makes perfect sense that the TikTok would be your first filter. And then you kind of work your way down. I would probably say that uh, anything that you're doing, your youngest demographic. So if you're not on TikTok, but you're on Instagram, I would leverage Instagram first, take that content and trickle that down. Um, Andrew, I'm curious uh, about the hour block that you said you set out for yourself. Uh, are you doing all of the editing and stuff too in that hour block? Or is that hour block just for posting? That's, that's all editing too. So, wow. Okay. So you spend an hour on social media and content as it pertains to social media, an hour a day, and then you let it go. For the posting, yes. Um, so yeah, in, in that first block, that hour between my coffee and prayer and then going to the gym, spend about an hour uh, posting, editing, getting all my captions up, hashtags. It hits the, it hits the interwebs and it's gone. Um, I will come back throughout the day to tend to it, uh, maybe sure. stoke the fire a little bit. Which looks like what? Super practically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe an hour or so in the afternoon. Just, just like replying to comments. What does stoking the fire look like? Oh, stoking the fire is just answering comments, yep. uh, liking them. Uh, you're just going through and engaging with the audience. Um, yeah, that's, that's really it. Just kind of seeing, I like to call when I'm on social media also, it's research. So yeah. I'm also researching. So as I tend to my content, then I'm going to scroll for a little bit and see what's trending. What's, what constantly is coming to my feed because I'm niched as a Christian content creator, the algorithm is going to show me on my screen things that are popular and trending. So if I'm paying attention to what the algorithm's speaking to me, as I'm scrolling, it's feeding me what it wants to see. So as I'm looking, how can I make these things mine? Can I adopt any of these popular trending things that are yep. taking off right now? So I'm wow. consuming and researching as I'm looking and I've tailored my feed so that all that comes across my feed, sports and Christian yep. content. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Sports yeah. Videos and Christian NBA content. and people praying. Uh, so are you also commenting on, and, and I'm spending time here for our listening audience because this is yeah. so important. It is yeah. social media. Are you also commenting on other people's stuff on the ones that I like? Yeah. So I'll consume, I'll save, I'll like, I'll comment. If they're a friend, you got to fire them up. You got to, you got to hype them up a little That's bit. It. So you go, even if it's just a handful of emojis, I'll like it. I'll hit totally. them with some emojis. I'll copy link, share to help try to boost their videos as well. Uh, and and I, I hope that they do the same for me, but yeah, I try to spread the, spread the love when I'm out there. I love it. Yeah. Glad we spent time there. Now I'm yeah. curious, uh, as we kind of round the corner on this podcast, how has leveraging, because this is really important as well, uh, as, as the fear can kind of set in of, gosh, if I just do online church, no one's going to go to church. They're all just going to be there, you know, say a 15 second prayer and think they're good with God and blah, 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 blah. Right. And, and here's the sarcastic, uh, moment as if we can control them. Yeah. Right. So we're just going to pause there. Leader, just be reminded your job is not to control behavior. It's not even behavior modification. That's not what your job is. Your job is to pastor a disciple. So I want to end with discipleship kind of started with discipleship, the importance of that. I want to end with discipleship. That's your mission. Uh, you're doing that digitally. You're a, dig uh, a digital missionary. But before we end there, I want to get to how did digital 
help the physical, which is planting a real physical church. Now it's structured a little bit differently. We might be able to hit into that, but a real physical church in Southern California, in Los Angeles, how did those two things jive together? Yeah. Uh, well, first off, I'm meeting people where they're at online um, and able to speak to a lot of people. So I, I feel like you have to create relationship and you have to build trust with individuals. And so I built relationship and trust by being consistent, by showing up, by being reliable, being transparent, vulnerable, and honest. And so we've been able to build rapport. So many people who have experienced church hurt, many people who would never step foot in a church have now created this relationship with me. And as I plant, they're like, hey, I'd go to church with this guy because I, I like this guy. I know yeah. this guy. So it has given me, uh, I think, an advantage. So now I have people who uh, represent uh, the lost and the broken and the mm -hmm. you know discarded who are flooding in the doors of our church because they want to know this Jesus guy I've been talking about online. Wow. Yep. It's beautiful. And, and, and they have a desire to meet you. Uh, not, not in terms of uh, fame. Maybe I can't speak for everybody. Maybe some of it's that, but they have a desire to do life with you in the context of church, meaning they're not going to stay digital. They're going to go and try and find this. And, and the same is true for your church. If you're listening to this and you're a leader, and it's important that not just your church is on social media, but you as a leader is on social media because the connection is correlated uh, and there needs to be that relational equity that's put in. And you can't get all the relational equity you need from an hour sermon in the pulpit every Sunday. Uh, there, there's something, there's only so much of yourself you can give through that. And to be honest, it should be not very much of yourself. It should be mostly what uh, the spirit is speaking through you. And so social media is where you have the opportunity to create that relational connection so that there's trust and stuff, yada, yada, yada. We talk about this every single episode. It's very important why you as a pastor leader need to be on social media and they have a desire to find you. I hope that you're hearing that from Andrew. Now I do want to share, because I think we'd be remiss if you didn't share how you're actually running church. And it's not, it's not like groundbreaking in the sense that you're the only church that's doing it, but I know that there's a lot of pastors that maybe have kicked around this idea and it's like, Oh, no way. Can't do that. Can't do that. Got bills to pay. Right. Lots, right, lots of, right. lots of reasons. What is the structure? And we'll just see if the spirit speaks to anybody that's listening, uh, that maybe this is the permission they need to try something new. Yeah. So we do once a month in-person meetings. So the third Sunday of every month, people come to the physical building. But in the meantime, we have small relational meetings online where we get together. So Tuesday, we have a men's group and a women's group, same sex. That's it. We come in and we spend an hour to hour and a half. I usually share a brief message and then we just hang out. We ask questions. We throw around stuff uh, that we're going through, but we also have a Slack room a Slack channel that's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, where the men are bringing in tough issues. It gives me a place where I can preach from because I know what's going on in the hearts of these men and in their lives, because now we have relationship that's open, honest, and vulnerable. But I also have overseers, people who I'm, you know, for me, I've chose 12. There's 12 men that I'm discipling and pouring all of my time into and now I'm a platform for them to be a platform and I'm trying to help build their ministries and what they're doing. And so they oversee the group at large. And so we do that. The women do the same. We also have a Bible study on Thursday nights and then we have a fellowship Friday for people. And these are people who are gathering in these Zoom rooms and these Slack channels from around the world. We have people in India, you wow. know, and, and all of this. And for this third Sunday of the month, usually we do baptisms the Saturday before. So we go down to the beach here in California. Wow. If anyone desires to be baptized, they're baptized. And so what we're seeing is not only the local community, but we have this worldwide community that flies in or comes in and they're baptized by us. They join wow. the, the service. We usually do a lunch or a hangout afterwards. And it, it's just become this, this family and uh, this large community. It's just how I felt, you know, Jesus would always connect with people over food and hanging yeah, out. And I just feel right. like that's what we're called to do as a pastor. That's what I'm called to do. Is and I know people. for sure if Jesus lived in Southern California, he'd have been baptizing people in the, on the, on the beaches of <laughs> Southern California. Uh, that's beautiful. And I love it. And it's just a great case study. Uh, we interviewed Jay Cranda, uh, who we were talking about just before we hopped on this call, um, who had done a video of what he's learned over the 10 years of, and uh, of doing online church. And, and, and one of the things that he really drilled down on was that our lives are completely blended. 
between digital and physical. Uh, and so it's not our responsibility to separate those things or do those things, but really figure out how do they work together and uh, use the example of my marriage is better because we can text throughout the yeah. day. Uh, yeah. And that just wasn't a reality for people in a, in a different generation. But my, my marriage is a mix of digital and physical, and you need both. And I love what you're saying. Your church community is a mix between digital and physical, but the physical is richer because of the digital. And the yeah. digital is then richer because you're with each other physically. And, and, and there's this positive synergy that happens between the two. And I, and I love it uh, that you've created an entire community around that. And I know you're not the first to do it. Uh, and I know you're not the last to do it, but I'm really glad that we're starting to see what can this um, more fluid discipleship look like uh, that isn't all our eggs in the basket of one hour on Sunday, uh, but really something that can that can work all throughout the week. And so uh, I, I just love, Andrew, you're one of uh, the most incredible people magnets I've ever met in my entire life. Uh, somebody that just lights up a room, somebody that other people want to be around. Uh, I think social media has only given more people the access to have that for 15 seconds, even if they're never going to meet you in person. Um, and so I'm just curious, how, how has, uh, what, what does discipleship and leadership look like for you in 2022? And how would you encourage our pastors to be thinking about discipleship and leadership uh, in this digital physical age? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, for me, I feel like discipleship is walking with somebody, getting down in the trenches, holding their hand and, and leading by example. Uh, so for me, one thing that we do is we do a daily Bible study and it's the coffee and prayer. We're over 330 days in a row. Not everybody can duplicate that. But that has been extremely helpful of, of being consistent, being uh, there, being a foundation and solid. And so I show up every day, I grab their hand and, and I lead. And when it comes down to it, like I, I alluded to it, uh, Jesus had 12, but then he, but he would speak to the masses. He would have mm -hmm. compassion on the many, but many times they would be overhearing what he was saying to the 12. And so for me, uh, I think that Jesus left a pretty good blueprint, something that we should probably follow suit with. Yeah. So I've got a small group of individuals who I've really doubled down my intentionality with. And as I do so, uh, I allow those around us to see, not that I'm pay playing favorites, but that's where my energy is. I can't give a little, I can't give to everybody. I know my limitations. I have boundaries, guardrails, and I protect that space very well, especially being in social media. Yep. So as I am intentional about them, I also, like I said, I'm a platform for them. I help encourage them so that they have their own reach and space. And then the people underneath this umbrella of what we're doing don't get missed. They don't get overlooked. They feel yep. like they're connected and a part of something. Beautiful. I have two questions to end. One's, the last one's going to be really quick. The other one should be quick, but we'll see. It's something that I haven't been asking recently, but I started asking after I watched The Social Dilemma that came out on uh, Netflix a long time ago. Uh, feels like a long time ago. Maybe it was only you know a year or two ago. But uh, the question was around, as, as we're leaders in the digital space, and then obviously if I'm co-hosting a podcast, naturally being in a leadership position about this, we should also talk about what you said the guarding and the rhythms against some of those uh, fear mongering kind of scare uh, media that the social dilemma presented, which I don't want to diminish very real, but I think uh, you have to have leaders in the space or else no one knows how to healthily handle the responsibility of leading on social media. So as a podcast that talks about social media advocates for being on social media and doing digital ministry there, what is the best uh, life hack, the best guardrail that you have put in place as a content creator that is heavily vested in social media that keeps you healthy. Uh, make sure you fast from it, like take time away and that's wow. okay. So you can still be there. There's a cool feature in most, uh, platforms where you can preload your content. So you can still post and have an online presence without physically being present or being there. And so the consistency aspect, I don't have to miss out on consistency if I'm intentional about my time. So if I know I'm going to take a sabbatical or a rest or fast from social media, I'll be intentional and I will pre-create, pre, you know, I, I will work in the forefront so that I can get some rest on the backside. So take the rest that you need and be smart about it. That's good. How uh, is that fasting 
at, like as needed, like you recognize a pattern in your life where you need to fast? Is it built in for your year as you're looking over like, okay, I know I'm going to, I'm going to uh, fast from social media here. And then how long is that? Or does it vary? Yeah. It says the spirit leads. Um, sometimes it could be a day. Sometimes it could be a week. Uh, I haven't, I haven't experienced more than that or the, really the need to, uh, because that's on the, the map, the macro scale on the micro scale. Um, there will be days, heavy days and, and smaller days. Mm -hmm. Some days I might spend multiple hours on, and then some days I might spend one or two. And so in that, in and of itself, there's some built in guardrails. So, uh, I haven't had the, the issue of burnout or, or needing a long sabbatical because during the week there's little breaks and the mini, the mini Sabbaths throughout the day yeah. and the week. Yeah. That's beautiful. Okay. Last question. This should be a lot quicker. Favorite social media, Andrew Carter's favorite social media. Oh man, that is not what you perform the best on. Just what is Andrew Carter like the most? I like Instagram. Do you Instagram? Do. Instagram's number one. I do. I do. It's just got a, it's got a more adult feel. It's a professional platform. Um, I definitely get the most like bookings and opportunities through Instagram. So I like it. I really do. I enjoy it. Okay. Yeah. Instagram. You heard it here first. Andrew's favorite. Uh, so if, so, so you would recommend and, and, and Andrew's information is going to be linked out in the, in the show notes of this, uh, no matter where you're listening or watching. Um, but best place for some, okay. Yeah. I actually want to promote you for a second. So Andrew said ahead of time, he doesn't have any, he's working on some stuff, but nothing to promote at the moment, but I will promote the humble man for him. Uh, Andrew does do speaking gigs. Andrew is not shy. I think I've seen you speak at so many different places. You seem very, uh, I don't want to use liberal in the, in the political sense, but very, very open to just preaching the word of Christ, uh, wherever that may be. And so if you are interested, Andrew is also interested. So Andrew, where would be the best place for somebody to reach out to you? Uh, if they're maybe, maybe wanting you to speak, uh, at youth, uh, maybe wanting you to speak on a weekend, um, men's retreat, something like that. Uh, where would be the best place for someone to reach out to you? Yeah. Andrew F. Carter ministries.org. That is uh, my personal site where you can book, uh, my time. And if you go to any platform, I've got a link tree and it says, uh, book me now. You can find me right there. Perfect. You heard it here first. Well, Andrew, I so appreciate your time. Thank you for giving me an excuse to, uh, reconnect with you over zoom and let everybody else in on it. Uh, and thank you so much for listening to the call of God and preaching the word of Christ to so many people making an impact. Uh, and we just wish you all the best of luck, uh, planning your church in LA and you always have a seat on this podcast. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We also appreciate to each and every one of you who are listening to this episode. If there was something in here that was inspiring to you, I know it's probably inspiring to somebody else in your ecosystem of the social media church world. Uh, share it with a leader, share it with somebody else who's trying to figure out how to create content. Maybe they're uh, needing better habits. I think the end of this episode is really good with Andrew sharing what his um, best hack at no, uh, avoiding burnout is. Uh, and so we appreciate you listening. The other thing we'd appreciate you doing is subscribing to this podcast. When you subscribe, you increase the chances of somebody else like me way back in 2013, who's trying to figure out social media on church, uh, connect with this content and really help lift off the ground. Somebody's ministry. You never know who you're going to be helping. Uh, so we'll talk again on the next episode.